Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we answer your questions on gutsy RSVPs, the issue of compensation for pet sitting, when napkins should go in laps, how to fairly split the cost of a group gift, and making self-introductions. All that, plus a postscript segment on hat etiquette, coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be a part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. I want to talk to you today. Yes. Well, really, I just want to share what's been going on at the Institute lately because we've been laughing a lot at work. We have been laughing We've a lot We've been at laughing work. a lot at work. We are currently editing the 18th edition in preparation for the 19th edition of our large mainstay book of etiquette coming out, and it'll be coming out in uh, 2017. And this is... Happens every five to ten years. Five five to seven years, yeah. Yeah. We do about five to seven years, and... The cool thing is, is that it's going to put our 20th edition coming out in 1922, which is the 100-year anniversary of etiquette, which is awesome. But the funny thing is when you look – I mean, 2011 is when this book came out. We were writing mm-hmm. it in 2010, and it doesn't seem that long ago. And even before, though, probably the writing was 8, 9, 10. The, before that, yeah. the 17th edition, the writing was really – things had really changed a lot. Like when we wrote yep. 17th, Facebook was like non-existent. Yep. The 17th was what, maybe 10 years before? Before? I'm trying to remember the I can't pub date remember on it. Exactly. The pub date on it, but it was yeah. it was long enough before that it was really a different world. So this really felt like such a big change. But what is cracking me up that I've been dying to share with you, our listeners, is that some of the things that we catch that are in the 18th are so funny. It's like we had one section where we were all rolling on the floor laughing because it was talking about. How if someone is habitually late to your dinner party, we're not even in the dining section, by the way, or the entertaining section. General courtesy, be on time. General courtesy of be on time. And the example kind of drew out all of a sudden really into dining etiquette. It was like we should have just had an example of, you know, be on time to an interview, that kind of a thing. But the example used was late to a dinner party. And the next thing you know... (laughs) And I will not name who at the Emily Post Institute most likely wrote this, um, um, but it was one of those things where she starts ta- the 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 writing of the book starts talking about how if this person is habitually late, then when they show up, they just get dessert if that's what's being served at the moment, and that's it. And I just turned to my mother and was like, I have never in a million years seen you have someone who comes in late to your dinner party. And you serve them dessert. You're always, can I get you a plate? Do you want some of the appetizer? And my mom was just like, well, that's because I'm a pushover. But these people, if they're 
days late. They should be punished. And I was like, you're going to punish them by giving them dessert? Like, it was the most hysteric. Dad was, like, almost in tears cracking up at the other end of the table. You were giggling, like, hysterically. It was, and Mom's going, I know. She's, like, laughing at. Well, it's funny. It's because it's the sample dialogue. And it's the thing I think you're so good at, the the sample scripts. And it's hard when you're writing those sample scripts and your personality starts to creep out. Because it's because you're looking for that conversational, that thing that you would actually say. (laughs) So when you're reading these little dialogues in the book and you hear the voice of the person that that you might imagine wrote them. And and some of this is is legacy writing. Some of this is is writing that hasn't been updated. Exactly. Parts of the book have been completely rewritten pretty much every time we pick it up. And other parts have stayed pretty consistent. So there are little hints of our grandmother that pop up where Peter turns and says, this is mom. Yeah, like (laughs) Trisha and and Peggy can tell for a long time the books um, had kind of – a ghostwriter for them. And you can hear that ghostwriter's voice in a lot of it. And and my grandmother, you can really tell when it was her words. Um, yeah. But you can also really tell when we've put in something that's like a personal little. Mm-hmm. And, um, do you remember the one that was that with names? Actually, I go by Patty. Oh, really, Patricia? <laughs> oh, really, Patricia? My mom's never been called Patty in her whole life. And the example of when someone is getting your name wrong, the example wording is, actually, I go by Patty. And it's really funny because it's not, you know, the name Patty is a lovely name, but it's not the nickname my mother has ever had. But I was sitting there going, man, if someone said, actually, I, and Dan just did exactly what he just mimicked it, which is like he gave the little kind of shoulder roll and like the head side to side thing. or You know, you give it some attitude, actually. Like, let me set you straight, buddy. A little point of etiquette. Let's just jump in. Be careful with the use of actually. You do. And so my that's the suggested edit we came up with was please feel free or I like to be called this. It's so been fun. It has been fun. And we're up to our elbows in the 18th edition right now. So any of you out there that are that are fans of the 18th edition or um, maybe there's something that you were hoping to find in the 18th edition and you didn't when you opened the index up and looked for that particular piece of advice, please feel free. This is the time to, to reach out and, and, and let us know what your thoughts are about a next edition of Emily Post Etiquette yeah, and what, what do you, you might like about? to see yeah, in it. Yeah, I love it. Good call to action. I dig it. Are there any parts you're excited about reading? Ooh, excited. For me, it's always communication technology. And yeah. it's the one I'm the most nervous about because I think they're going to be the most edits. Well, it's also the one where it's like as soon as you've written it, stuff changes. And then by the time the book comes out, it's almost yep. like the chapter you want to actually do all the corrections to last. Gather the most info. And it's the, I think um, the most research is required because there are definitely new social norms, yeah. but they emerge very quickly, and yeah. and it takes a little bit of um, a little bit of investigation. Another section. There are two other sections I think get a lot of research put into them, and that is. Um, Obviously, the international etiquette, because that's not our expertise. And, and it so, is growing. And it's growing. Yep. And, and people actually seek it from us. And we always say, we're American etiquette. We'll tell you how to interact when you come here. But we do try to provide some things about going to certain foreign countries. What are the hot buttons you should look for? That sort of thing. But the other one is people with disabilities. And that's one that where we do really have to do a lot of research and talk to a lot of people. And you want kind of both what's the community standing that you're talking about. We don't get that many questions in the podcast about it, but we get a lot of questions at the Institute about it. And I'm just so glad that people take it seriously, that it's something they want to know more about how to handle all the different aspects of it. That's one that I always get excited about doing the research for because I think we become – 
a better institute when we the more that we know. Agreed. <laughs> We probably need to get to some questions, we don't do. we? We could talk about the 17th, <laughs> I 18th, I and the 19th, 18th edition of Etiquette stuff, all so day long. We could. Let's get started. <laughs> You're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Our first question has to do with a gutsy RSVP. Hi, I just recently found your podcast and I love it. I'm getting married September 5th. A friend RSVP'd for seven people. My fiance and I didn't put a limit on the number of people a guest could bring. However, we were surprised to see seven. We are okay with this. In fact, we plan on reserving a table just for her party. Still, it made us curious as to what type of etiquette is expected when one RSVPs to a wedding. Is seven totally normal? The bride. No, seven is like, (laughs) I have actually never in the eight, nine years that I've been doing this heard this ever. First time. Mm -hmm. Maybe two. Maybe, oh, it was just for the couple, but they RSVP'd with their three kids in tow. Bring the family. Really common. Yep. Seven friends? Uh uh. So such bad form. I'm sorry. Is it rude? I love well, I love the fact that it doesn't phase the bride and groom, that they're Mm -hmm. actually like more the merrier. We don't care. Totally fine. I still think it was really rude of this person to just assume that they could invite seven people to a wedding. That's seven extra. I mean, I have no idea what their what their cost per head is, but that's like, whoa. And, and, and I'm wondering a little bit about this invitation that my fiance and I didn't put a limit on the number of people a guest could bring. How, how was it indicated on the invitation? Did, that, was it guests plural? Exactly. Is it guests plural within a place to write any number that you want? Um, some people intentionally uh, number the guests because they want to avoid exactly this. They want to avoid someone just writing in a number for right. the number of guests. That for are instance, be the phrase plus one. <laughs> exactly. So usually the invitation should give some indication as to the number or – if it really is a the more the merrier kind of party, then maybe seven's not so Bad. out of left field. I love the fact that of all people for this person to make this, and I'm going to call it a mistake, mistake with, yeah. great choice. Like, yes. Because the bride and groom are going to reserve you a table. Your friends are going to have a lot of fun with you at this wedding. But you are gutsy. And this gutsy is guest. Yes. Who knows? And maybe it's just big family. It's actually a very natural seven. So weird. If I was going to write in seven, I would definitely call. First? call. <laughs> yes. Like just check in. Find I out. Did, did you really mean the more the merrier? Did you really mean for people to bring family and a house guest or two if they happen to be there that weekend? Oh, man. The bride, we are very, very happy that you are totally cool with this. And we think it's great that you've, you've taken it in such stride and just made it into a happy scenario and not one to freak out about because I think you might be the only person I know who would do that. <laughs> like, And I commend you for your gracious hosting skills. Indeed. And have a fabulous wedding. Our next question is about pet sitting compensation. Good morning. I have a tendency to second guess myself. And I was wondering if you could enlighten me on the proper etiquette in the following situation. My sister and her family who have two dogs, kept our dog while we went on vacation. Everything went smoothly, and he was very well behaved. We opted to bring back a little gift that cost what we would have spent on boarding him. Is this the most appropriate, or should we have offered money? Thanks for your assistance, Catherine. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. 
There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Oh, Catherine, don't second guess yourself. You're doing the really nice thing here. I wish more people were so considerate. Um, it's a really big deal to find someone to take care of your dog. It, it makes a vacation possible. Totally. And, and to, keep that, to keep that happening, to keep paying it forward by showing your appreciation, I think, is not just appropriate. It's excellent. I totally agree. And I think when it's your sister or your parents or something like that, a gift like that, totally good. And frankly, even with family, I think the gift doesn't even have to equate what you would have spent on boarding. You could do just a sweet little gift. I would agree. You've really hit the high marks here. But I will say, just for those who are looking to possibly have a friend or someone else – it's it, it of course depends on your budget, but let the person know ahead of time what you're intending on doing because like there are certain people I know who actually do expect to be paid for this. Um, so I would just be aware that that with family, it's a much more give and take relationship. I take care of my sister's cats all the time. She does me really big favors often when I'm in a pinch and my roommate's out of town to take care of my cats. We never charge each other, and she and I don't even bring gifts back for each other. My roommate, when she takes Benny, I usually try to bring her back something, and she does the same for me. She came back from Paris. I had taken her dog for a week. She brought me back a little bracelet. It was really sweet. Um, So I think with close friends and family, this is a great arrangement. I have on occasion had to ask somebody and say, listen— I don't have the cash to pay you what a normal boarding house would get or something like that for it. But would you still be willing to come by and feed the cats or take the dog for two days? And I think that can be really honest. happen on either side early Absolutely. on. Like my, my parents often ask me to house sit or dog sit and they'll say, hey, we'd love it if you could take Jonah 
it costs X to kennel him. We'd love to give you this or whatever. And I, they, they actually, they usually don't set up the difference between those two. But yeah. I know it's actually a little less for them or whatever. What about going the other direction? If uh, if, if someone if like you expected to get paid, or if yeah. it was necessary, if you're saying to yourself, "Boy, you know, that's really going to put me out." Driving twenty five dollars a day would help ease that. Would make it easier for me to say yes. Totally. If you're expecting that, I think you should say something ahead of time. Yes. I think once. It's sort of been a, oh, we've all agreed to do it. And then afterwards, you're lucky, whatever you get. Super easy conversation. You just say, yeah, typically when I do this, this is what I do. And then it gives the other person the chance to say, oh, wasn't expecting that. I might look around first and give you a call if I can't find anybody else. <gasps> look at that little dance. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it's a, it, it is a big favor. It is it's a, a big ask. Favor. And it's an important favor. It's an important ask. It matters to people. So I, I think um, putting a little effort into it and thinking about it ahead of time is probably worth it. Yes. And I think that what Catherine did in her situation was perfectly appropriate. Really thoughtful, Catherine. I like this question. I'm not exactly sure what our answer is going to be to it because I get what he means. I had the exact same thought. Okay. So let's, let's let everybody just, in. We'll just talk it out. <laughs> yeah. we, we're gonna, <laughs> Hey, guys, we're not sure what's going to happen with this one. So we're just going to talk it out. And we would love for you to weigh in, too, about any of these. I, and I have a couple things along the, the lines of this that come up. Let's do the question. Many restaurant tables seem to get wiped clean with a common cloth and some kind of cleaner. Although I was brought up to put my napkin in my lap as soon as I sat down, I do not like to put my silverware directly on the table. Is it rude to wait until a plate arrives and then I can place my silver on the plate? Thank you. When does that napkin go into your lap? So the napkin in the lap is the easy question because it goes into the lap as soon as you sit down because it does help if there's any breadcrumbs from the bread basket or it's there in case there's a spill or something you got you you covered right Mm -hmm. but i love the caveat to this question which is yeah you know tables are wiped down with really dirty rags sometime even though you're putting cleaner on them i have no idea what the science is behind it how much of it transfers if those rags are actually clean because they're constantly being sprayed i i don't know but not every table has fresh linen on it not Not every every table table has linen on it yeah is a place where you'd feel entirely comfortable putting a fork down. down. And I want to complicate the the question even further because the the way that I'll often get this question posed is that you you get the silver folded up in the napkin. It's rolled up in the napkin. It's often going to be a place where there's not linen on the table. Absolutely. So when do you unroll that Put the silverware. Do you do you set a little place setting for yourself with the silver on that bare table and counter? Put the napkin in your lap. Do you wait for your food to arrive? And the answer that we often give is you put your napkin in your lap as soon as you sit at the table. Which would mean your silver would go on the table. If yeah. you're in a hosted meal, I often say watch your host for cues. That's true. Because I think that will sometimes strip away some of this decision making. I don't think I would call into question the cleanliness of the restaurant. If my host was putting their napkin in their lap, I'm going to follow suit and sort of yeah. follow that protocol as a guest. But – just sitting down by myself or with friends where I'm, I'm, I don't have the expectation of that protocol, I might wait, particularly if I looked at that counter and it was still wet or it was – if I was somebody that was careful about even touching handrails in public, I might really not want to put my Let fork down on a table. concern take precedent over – yeah. So one other option is that if the bread plate is actually on the table, Mm. that's actually a great kind of middle ground for you to handle that. Open up the silverware roll, put your silverware on the bread plate, and then 
put your napkin in your lap. But I'm also just going to say it. It sounds to me like these are the kinds of situations where you're not in fine dining. This isn't high end. You can wait until that plate shows up. I think, I I mean, Dan, if I was dining with you and I did it, I don't think you'd be offended. Vice versa. Not a big deal at all. So I say that as long as you're not in a fine dining situation or a situation where you really have to impress someone or it would be awkward that you're not kind of following the standards of etiquette right there. I think you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely one of those examples I think that's changing as the service experience is broadening. As totally. people are eating out more different places in more ways, Absolutely. I think we need to have a little more flexibility about some of these standards. Yeah. Dan was just saying he thinks this question is a really good one, and I completely agree because we've – I mean we've actually done spokesperson campaigns on this question. And it is a really difficult question, and it spreads to more than just the scenario that we're going to talk about. But are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. Equitable division of gift funds, meaning group gifts. (laughs) How is it divided up? Good explanation of the description of the question. (laughs) Quiet, you. (laughs) All right. This has been somewhat of a bone of contention in our family for decades. We have a mixture of singles and couples in our family, and oftentimes we like to go in together on gifts for other family members. The couples especially like the idea of group gift giving. My mom is turning 80 in a couple of weeks. Our family wanted to throw her a big party, but she didn't want that. Eventually, we came to a compromise. She said she wants just the family to go out to a nice dinner, and she insists on paying for the entire evening. We can all—there are eight of us, kids and grandkids—certainly afford to pay for our own dinner and treat her, but she's very insistent, so we've given in. We're all going in on a gift for her. It's a necklace with everyone's birthstone and name on it, in-laws' names included. My question is how to share the cost. I think the cost should be divided by eight because that's the number of people giving the gift, and I'm not one of the single ones. The couples believe that each couple is one. Therefore, they should be counted as one. My feeling is that if they don't want to contribute equally for this very special occasion, then I'll make up the difference because I want my mom to have a very special day and a very special gift. And we've all gotten off really inexpensively by not throwing her a party or even having to pay for dinner. On the other hand, some of the other singles in my family are really frosted over this. So what's the proper etiquette? Sincerely, Jennifer. Jennifer, I'm going to start with a broad answer This because this, this is a really tricky and, and subtle question. Um, I'm, I'm going to start by saying that uh, discussions about money are best handled in a candid, open and honest manner and mm-hmm. that family relationships are so important. I think it's really worth approaching these discussions with tact and with care, mm-hmm. whatever your opinion is. Um I also want to say congratulations, Mom. What a great birthday to be celebrating. It's a big deal, and I'm sure it's going to be a real event that the whole family will enjoy. So uh, I think we've got money moving two directions here. (laughs) We've got Mom hosting a party for everybody, and then we've got the question of the the cost of the group gift and the questions of equity and fairness. And when Mom's hosting that party for everyone, I think you just – Say it's up to her how she spends that money and everybody gets invited and that's that's the way it is, singles yeah. and couples. I also <laughs> think it's nice that they're not fighting her on that. Yep. Like just she's 80. Let her do what she wants on her <laughs> Absolutely. <birthday. laughs> as far as the group gift, I started to fall – if I had to pick a camp here, singles or couples. I'm so going to judge you on this Couples answer. camp. <laughs> Interesting. And my thought here is that the core relationship is the siblings and mom. 
and that this is a group gift from the siblings to mom and that the spouses, they're important. They're important in that couple relationship. But the real primacy here is the gift from siblings to mom. So I'm going to divvy it up among the siblings. I'm in the exact same camp as you. I think that for the most part, when it comes down the pipeline of your family, it's the siblings to mom. And if you're married and you and your spouse get to split that cost, great. If you're married and you and your spouse have it worked out that you cover gifts for your parents and your family and your spouse covers gifts for their parents and their family, that's how you all have decided to do that within your marriage. And that's great. You know, maybe the spouse that isn't related is is the one taking care of all the finances in the family. I mean, you just you never know how a couple splits stuff up. However, I, the one thing that caught my eye was your hook? in this question and okay. I was like, Oh, that's a little bit different. Is that it's a necklace with everyone's birthstone name and name uh, on it with the in-laws included. And it wasn't until I saw the in-laws included that I was like, so, you know, I'm just curious. How would we feel if like in our family, let's say all the grandkids were going to do a gift like this for mm-hmm. when our grandmother was alive and you and I didn't have, well, you now have a wife, but let's say it was pre Pre-puja. I have an idea. Yeah, what do you think? You leave enough space to add names, to add engraved names. Is that weird if there's I'm space thinking, that never gets filled? No, uh, equivalent to a charm bracelet. I don't know how this that you add a charm necklace for goes. different grandkids or right. that's th- just the, the type of thinking I'm thinking. And, and, and maybe. There... No, but what about the money? Like, so the, the way it stands in this mm-hmm. question Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you have the in-laws contribute for their the cost of their I stone on the so. necklace? And in the same way that you accept people into your family and yeah. you embrace them and say, you know, that's not my brother's wife. That's my sister-in-law. You so inclu- by that mention, you'd have them pay. I, and and this is where I think that the, the onus is on you that your generosity to include, yeah. but then also your generosity to say, I'm one of the siblings. This is our gift for our mother. I I, I think that just there's a lot on you in that situation. I would give the single another way to think about this also um, that I know that sometimes it can feel like, oh, they're a couple. There's two of them. They they have two incomes. They it, it could very well be that they also have the cost and expenses of a family that Mm -hmm. maybe you don't have. Sometimes I think it's perceived that the single who doesn't have all of the responsibilities that often come with coupledom and a family doesn't have those costs. And I I know some families where sometimes the family feels burdened and it's the single sibling that has disposable income. Um, You know, another place, Dan, that we see this is in the whole kind of couples versus singles thing is in group vacations. And it happens a lot with people our age. So when you have a whole house that you're renting, um, you know, you're a couple – 
All of a sudden, if you charge by room, it's one thing because a couple will stay together in that room most likely,、yep. and they'll be able to split the cost between them. Theoretically, as we've described, you know that doesn't always happen.、Yep. But the single is always paying for what seems like more. However, they're also not sharing a room with someone. So, my family, we've always come down on the side of you know what? It's by per room. Just the same way with this necklace, it's by per kid. The couples are treated as one. Yeah, there's so many directions to this question.、Yeah. There's so many ways it can go, and. Part of my thinking is starting to be that that when there's one person who's offering to pay for other people, you're accepting of their inclusivity, <laughs> like like the mom offering to pay for the dinner. Exactly, and、yeah. I'm thinking about a, a vacation house rental where maybe someone's offering to pay for it. Mom's、yeah. offering to take everyone on vacation, on vacation or mom and dad、totally. are going to bring everybody to Disney World.、Yay. When when you're accepting that largesse, I think you accept it and you're generous about understanding how they're going to make the divvy. And maybe you're a single who gets a room to yourself, so you're getting the advantage. Or maybe it's a family that gets three rooms because they've got two kids and a parent couple, and they're getting the advantage. But、right. whatever it is, whoever's got the perceived good deal there, that when it's Someone else who's assuming the expense,、Treating、you accept people, it. Yeah, yeah. When you are initiating, and when you're talking about paying your share, I think then it becomes incumbent upon you to sort of take responsibility for resources、right. that you're going to be accountable for. So it's, it, I could see the, the same vacation house,、yeah. same group of people coming, but if it's not one person who's already ahead of time agreed to pay for everyone, if you're trying to figure out how you're going to divvy up that cost amongst you,、right. you take a room. You might look at square footage. And total cost, or and really try to do a divvy that, that really accounts for how everyone uses those resources. In this, it's not like the necklace has just the siblings on it and the grandkids. It's actually got the in-laws too. And I, so I thought it was an interesting twist. Of, so do the in-laws、twist. need to kind of pay for their? Spot on the necklace. I think big picture, you go with the sibling gift giving on、I、this one.、So、But、too. I do think that kind of thinking, I can see where it started to introduce a question in、okay. the, the mind of. Our listener. So Jennifer, after a very <laughs> long discussion between on a great question, the two of us, we definitely say there actually is no proper proper etiquette on it, but it is something that as a family we go back to what Dan said in the beginning: discuss it candidly, lay out the perspectives that are there, and as a family decide when it comes to gifts and vacationing together what's going to be the best thing for you guys and. With a big family, it might be a little hard to get everyone on the same page, but for the most part, I think the the logic is there. Best of luck. Indeed,、And、happy hope, birthday, yeah, mom! Yeah, happy birthday to mom! <laughs> Our next question begins. Love the podcast and your appearances on Dinner Party Download. Yay! I have what I think is a simple question. It has to do with introductions. I own a business that specializes in wedding and custom cakes. We meet with clients to discuss the details of the cake. Frequently, the clients are seated in our showroom when I enter and I introduce myself. Often, I don't get a response, and I need to ask for names. Is there a better way to do this, or am I doing it wrong? There are usually more than just a couple getting married at the appointments: parents, friends, bridesmaids, etc. And I've learned not to assume who in the room is getting married. How do I politely ask who's who and the relationship? And should I be extending my hand for a handshake to the woman at the table? I often get a tepid response when I do that.、Really? Any help would be appreciated. Thanks. A. 
I yeah. Uh, first off, yes, you absolutely should be extending your hand to the women at the table. That's a um, it's it's an old tradition that women don't shake hands. It's common day. Women today sh- should be expecting that to happen. I would say if you get that type of don't worry about the response so much. You've done what you should do, which is to reach out. It would be much more awkward if you don't reach out at all. And they're wondering, why isn't he shaking my hand or why isn't she shaking my hand? Um the next question is, are you doing this wrong? I think it's great that you you introduce yourself. You Absolutely. know, hi, I'm Jim. Hi, I'm Karen. I, you know, so happy to meet you. I'm really looking forward to walking you through the cake tasting or to selecting, helping you select something. And then when you've got that table and you can't tell who's the couple, who's the mom, who's the sister, who's the whoever, just say, um, I would love to start just by getting to know you all a little bit. Who who do we have at the table today? You oh, know? I love it. I was waiting to the... hear what you would say because you always have the good ones. <laughs> and I was thinking something too. similar like that. And, but yeah. I think that's a really good but, one. But, you know, that way you could just be like, so who, who have we got here today? I've, and generally the either the mother of the bride or the bride herself will stand up as the person who's the main point of contact. Um, and you can you can even address that question. Of, you know, who have you brought with you today? That I, We got that a lot when Anna and I went dress shopping. Oh, nice. Boy, and I, I feel your frustration. People <laughs> it is, it do is the not introduce themselves, and it's so ever. bizarre. And you would think that if you took that little step of introducing uh. yourself, that would inspire that kind of response in other people. Don't uh, don't worry. You're not doing anything wrong. You're doing everything right. People call the Emily Post Institute and don't introduce or identify themselves on the phone. It's it's, it's a common mistake people make today. Worse than that, we will be at events where they won't introduce themselves. And you're just like, Did we, we just covered introductions in this like uh, seminar or something. And you're like going, ah. And I want to applaud you for not making assumptions about the the people who you're meeting with and the Absolutely. relationships involved. I think you're really wise. And if you – let's say it is just the one person you're meeting with that day or just the couple and you've extended your hand and said, hi, I'm, I'm Jim or I'm Carol, whoever, um, and they don't say anything, you can always – technically, you should know who you're meeting with. I mean because you are in a, in a business situation where they have booked an appointment. So mm-hmm. I would suggest that you Build be that double – into your process. Exactly. Double yep. check that, whether it's on your calendar, your phone, however you know that that appointment is coming up, have those names. But I would also really suggest don't be afraid to say, um, and I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name or do you mind if I ask your name again? Um, or and your name is <laughs> if, if there are a couple women there. Hi, are, are you Susan? Yes. Acknowledging that you know you're anticipating a Susan, you don't know which one. Which one who, is who Susan? Here is Susan? Yeah. Who's our bride? <laughs> <laughs> Any of those will do, but um, we hope that it makes those introductions just a little bit easier. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show, or if you have a comment about one of our answers, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a message on our voicemail at 802-866-0860 or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know that you want it on the show.
Our postscript section today actually comes from our editing of the 18th edition, and we came across our little hats off section, and I thought it would be a really fun one to read for you. Always a favorite, right? I know, and I like this because it's it's got a it's got a little bit of that traditional etiquette that we sometimes like to get、it's、into、delicious. where things、mm-hmm. came from. So,、uh, from pages 20 and 21 of Emily Post's etiquette 18th edition, the section is titled "Hats Off." Removing your hat is a sign of respect that has long history in Western culture. When a man of lesser rank entered the dwelling of a person of higher rank, he removed his hat or helmet. It was a sign of vulnerability and showed that he posed no threat, essentially acknowledging that the person of higher rank had power over him. If you follow up the hierarchy of rank, the only person left with a hat on was the king who wore his crown. Hats, including the king's crown, were removed in places of worship, acknowledging that spiritual authority outranked temporal authority. Today, removing one's hat is more than a nod to tradition. It allows us better eye contact, which is a sign of respect and acknowledgement. Men and women either remove or leave hats on, depending on the place, whether they are in or outdoors, and in some instances, depending on the type of hat itself. Head coverings worn for religious or cultural reasons aren't usually removed indoors. If you're attending a religious service in an area outside your own, call ahead or check with someone of that faith about appropriate headwear and attire for visitors. Seems simple enough. <laughs> I know, right? It gets complex, though. But you saw an interesting thing the other day that kind of came up on the news.、What、yeah,、happened? we we had just covered this, and、um, our, our our current president just returned from vacation, where he had a relatively quiet vacation by all accounts. There was only one picture that was released from. President Obama's vacation, Martha's Vineyard, was him on a mountain bike, and he's wearing a helmet. <laughs> and this seems like very good example to be wearing a helmet、Safety、when、first. out biking. And、mm-hmm. we like to see our our, our political leaders setting good examples.、Um, but it's also a tradition that the president doesn't wear anything on his head. I, I think that the idea was to set up a distinction or a difference between the president and the king. Oh, no, it's because it's not a crown. I see. Yeah, exactly.、Yeah. So it's a tradition that the president doesn't wear funny things on his head. And I, I'm going to make an exemption. I'm going to offer a dispensation for the bicycle helmet. Oh, that's but nice of you. It was, it was noted when this picture came Did up. Did you pardon the president just un, now? That it was an unusual picture of the president with something on his head. With something on his head. That's a rarity that you will. Ever see、Absolutely. that, and, and the, the tradition being, of course, that、yeah. it's to represent that he's not like a king. And I, a I, I love this idea of showing respect or showing、um, deference by removing a, a hat, and sort of traditionally to someone of higher authority. But I, I, I love the idea of of respecting a, a higher authority and taking off. A hat at a place a of worship, yes, or when、absolutely. there's a religious service going on. I thought that was a, a, a nice little addition to that ranking and that tiering. Absolutely. And what's interesting too is that on the flip side of that,、um, there are many religions in in which there is some sort of head covering worn.、Um, for a long time,、um, women in Christian or Catholic faith would have、uh, it was like this tiny little veil that kind of clipped to your head, and it、oh. covered the top of your hair and.、Um, In in Judaism, you have the yarmulke that's worn.、Um, so it's funny how in some places it's a way to connect you more or to be more respectful in that place, and in other places, you know, you remove it so that it's a sign that everyone is vulnerable the way we were vulnerable to a king. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, one of Oh, did you have one more? Well, just we were talking about Sunday and putting on hats for church, and it made me think of church hats and ladies. Oh, yeah.、Uh, um, <laughs> well, and there was a another. 
dispensation that used to be offered traditionally. Women were given permission to leave their hats on indoors, and oftentimes it had to do with um, what I think of as church hats that were a, a, a real elaborate part of an outfit that well, were often pinned it's, I was going to say, I think more it's like that practical thing where it's they are so pinned into your head at that point. It's like the taking them off is it, a big problem. It really is, and it's part of a very elaborate outfit, outfit and presentation mm-hmm. and ensemble. Absolutely. Um, and it, it wasn't an expectation that women took those hats off, either in church or in other social circumstances or situations. <laughs> Dan and I have a, a chart from this page that we're going to actually put up on our Awesome Etiquette Facebook page for you to take a look at that talks about the different places to wear hats indoors and out. Um, the one exception is that if you are, um, for any medical reason, may have lost your hair and feel like you need to be wearing some sort of a covering, be it a scarf or um, sometimes they're called chemo caps, um, anything like that, those are absolutely always something that you can leave on. That's no no one should ever be feeling like you're being disrespectful in that. So please also note that if you see someone leaving their hat on in that kind of a situation, that, you know, be respectful of them and don't don't glare or, or, or call them out. Good little reminder. You don't always know why. Yeah. What the <laughs> when reason you find is. yourself giving that little disapproving. Just yeah. remember, people have all sorts of reasons. They make all kinds of choices. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, and speaking of choices, <laughs> there's a choice that um, I like to see people making these days, which is that to observe that traditional etiquette, to take the hat off inside when you're eating at a restaurant, when you're sharing food with other people. That's a pretty common courtesy. It's on our hats off chart. There are, I think, some women that think of the the hats off courtesy as being a gendered courtesy, that it's something that's expected of men and not expected of women. And we often talk about the, the changing and evolving nature of etiquette. And one of those evolved changes is that when you're talking about a baseball cap, a gender neutral article of clothing, the expectation is the same for men and women. And you definitely want to think, Lizzie and I have talked about this on this show before, yes. about taking that hat off when you, ladies, when you go inside and have dinner <laughs> or when you enter someone else's home. <laughs> um, if, if you would look at your rules, my golf buddies and I often break because we're like our our we've been you know sweating out on the golf course and your hair looks horrible. But we always everyone always says to each other, ladies, if you don't mind, I'm going to leave my hat on during dinner tonight. And you just acknowledge that you're doing it. I see guys do it all the time. Yeah. I see them break the rules yeah. and yeah. for any number of reasons they yeah. wear that hat. But just know you're breaking the rules uh, no, and behave accordingly. When you break the rules, know you're breaking the rules. Anyway. You'll be able to find our hats on or off chart on our um, Facebook page. And we hope that you enjoyed that little little dip into tradition and where hats off came from. Today's etiquette salute begins. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I would like to nominate my mom and good house guests for your etiquette salute. First, my mom. My mom, Bev, is our family's go-to etiquette person and an amazing host. I remember as a child, my mom reading through the book, Miss Manners, and having a manner she would pick from the book to teach us each week. She also navigated weddings and showers for three daughters with warmth and hospitality. 
I even remember once having an etiquette question, and she sent me your great-grandmother's book etiquette for the answer. I have a cool old copy as a gift from my younger sister. Great gift idea, by the way. My parents' home is the one you visit, and in the bathroom there is a basket of extra toiletries in case you forgot something. I love my mom. Mm. Second, good house guests. My mom has a lovely vacation home on the beach. She and my dad vacation there often, but when the house is vacant, they graciously allow friends, family, coworkers, etc. to stay. They never ask for compensation, but that everyone treats the house with respect and leaves it clean and tidy when they go. The guests they had stay recently went above and beyond in their gracious manner. Upon arrival, these guests found that the exterior storm shutters along the whole front of the house failed to open. These shutters not only blocked access to the porch and the lovely view, but also left the kitchen and living room feeling like a dimly lit cave. While they did let my mom know of the issue, of which she was grateful to be informed, they assured her they were having a marvelous time, and it really didn't bother them. My mom, of course, wanted to fix the shutters as soon as possible. After doing what you call the house guest dance, (laughs) they were finally able to set up a time for the repair person to come and fix the shutters. After all was taken care of, my mom found out that the father of this family had cut his time short with the rest of his family at a local water park to meet the repairman. When my mom apologized because she felt terrible that he had missed time with his family, he responded with all sincerity that he was only too happy to be able to help and repay my mom's kindness for allowing them to stay. And he reassured her that they were still having a marvelous time. This family and their response truly brightened my mom's day. It is so great to see kindness and consideration for others in the world. Thank you for encouraging these qualities with your podcast. Thanks again for your consideration for a salute. Warmest regards, Laura Graham. I love it. I love it. And man, that just sounds like the nicest host and house guest situation that they have going on at her parents' vacation home. That's just lovely. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. And if you like what you hear, please don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute, or Awesome Etiquette. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced and edited by Hans Buto. Mm-hmm.